Hello everyone, this is Orhan Erdem, Associate Professor of Finance at Rockford University. Welcome to my podcast, Financially Yours, where I will share my perspectives on everyday economic and financial issues. In this episode, I will talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Let me tell you a story before I start. Peter Thiel was born in 1967 in Frankfurt, Germany. Let me spell his name for you. T-H-I-E-L. He came to the U.S. when he was 10 and studied philosophy at Stanford University. Peter had strong thoughts about political affairs when he was at Stanford, even leading him to co-founding a newspaper there. He defined himself as a libertarian. Peter had always been a very controversial character. He once wrote, he, quote, no longer believes that the freedom and democracy are compatible, unquote. Max Levchin, on the other side, was born in 1975 in Ukraine. Let me spell his name for you. L-E-V-C-H-I-N. He and his family moved to the United States when he was 16. Max graduated from University of Illinois-Urbana-Champaign with a computer science degree and moved to Palo Alto to find a decent job. In Palo Alto, he spent his time at Stanford University campus visiting different classrooms at different times, mainly because... It was cool, literally. He didn't have air conditioning at home. One day Max came into a classroom where Peter was giving a talk about currency trading. He was fascinated by it and went ahead and introduced himself to Peter afterward. He mentioned his ideas of an encrypted network which would provide security for online currency trading. They continued to talk in the coming days and in time Max improved his initial idea and came up with a proposal for a safe online money transfer service which uses cryptography. Peter loved the idea. He thought that this invention would change the monetary system and the world. Peter and Max co-founded a company in 1998. Equipped and encouraged with his earlier thoughts of freedom, Peter framed his company as a world-changing rather than a money-making business. One day he gathered the employees and gave a long and motivating talk. He had great aspirations. Quote, Governments use inflation and sometimes wholesale currency devaluations like we saw in Russia and several Southeast Asian countries last year to take wealth away from their citizens. Most of the ordinary people there never have an opportunity to open an offshore account or to get their hands on more than a few bills of a stable currency like US dollars. Unquote. Peter was objecting to government's power to cause inflation. He said their company would be able to change this. Peter was envisioning that if people could have access to their technology, they could convert their local currency to any other one and get rid of the local inflation and devaluation problem. In time, the employees of Peter and Max's company were convinced that they could change the world. They first offered $10 cash to attract new customers and it worked. They reached 1 million users by March 2000. Many large-scale investors, including Nokia and Deutsche Bank, wanted to be part of this great initiative. The company was so successful that many companies, including eBay, preferred to use its payment system for online transactions. eBay liked their system so much that they gave up their original system and switched to PayPal instead. Peter and Max's company became the industrial leader. However, they needed more money to reach their ambitious dreams. Peter and Max decided to offer the company to the public. At this time, they had to face countless roadblocks and lawsuits. First the media, 
then competitors, and at last the federal government. Many states, including California and Idaho, questioned the status of the company, whether it was a bank or not. In Louisiana, the company was ruled operating an unlicensed bank and asked to seize its operations. New York Attorney General Elliot Spitzer subpoenaed the company and requested information from the company about gambling transactions made through their system. The company went public on February 15, 2002, mostly due to unbearable costs of the lawsuits and partly because of the hostility of the market competitors, the founders couldn't resist the temptation of the acquisition offer and it was bought by eBay the following October for $1.5 billion. After the acquisition, Peter and Max left the company. That company was PayPal. Today, as the end of February 2023, it has almost 30,000 employees and 435 million active consumer and merchant accounts. It is functioning in more than 200 markets with approximately $85 billion market value and $1.4 trillion payment volume. PayPal was one of a kind. Its founders had great aspirations to give more freedom to people within their monetary choices. Most of the masterminds of the company left, founding their own startups. Peter Thiel continued with his hedge fund Clarium Capital. Max Levchin created Slide, a company that offers users to prepare and share digital slides. Reed and Keith founded LinkedIn and became the CEO and vice president of the company. Elon Musk became the CEO of SpaceX, a firm manufacturing space rockets and providing space transportation services, and purchased Twitter, a social media company. Chad Hurley and Steve Chen started the online video sharing platform YouTube. Jeremy Stoppelman and Russell Simmons created Yelp, which provides reviews about businesses. Thus, Peter and Max's team has dissolved and their ambitious dreams have evaporated, never to be seen for two decades. Twenty years later, the same dream that drove PayPal to the throne of payment systems was improved and adopted by somebody else to rattle the world. However, this person or persons must have taken their lessons. They remained anonymous, most probably to dodge the roadblocks and lawsuits. In the fall of 2008, a person, seemingly a software developer, who called himself Satoshi Nakamoto, which probably is a nickname, came up with the idea of a new form of currency which Peter and Max dreamed of but could not successfully create. This currency, which is now famously known as Bitcoin, entered into circulation the next year. Bitcoin is just a coded digital currency which is secured by cryptography. All Bitcoin transactions are recorded by the computers of Bitcoin users on a ledger database called the blockchain via a mechanism called proof-of-work. There is no central authority like a bank or MasterCard or Federal Reserve which controls or monitors the system. Therefore, the transactions are verified by the consensus of the computers in the system. This consensus is called proof-of-work. Blockchain records transactions, but the names of the people are neither asked nor recorded on this ledger. Everybody is anonymous. Bitcoin is not issued by a government. Rather, it has been created by individuals or firms using a network of computers. Anybody with enough computer power can create it. This process is called mining. 
And since Bitcoin is not issued by any central authority, it's not federal reserves or any other institution's liability. Almost 14 years after it is released, Bitcoin is now widely adopted. Many companies, among which are Microsoft, some branches of Burger King, Kentucky Fried Chicken and at some point Tesla have accepted Bitcoin as a payment. Its value, which started from a couple of cents, reached out to $70,000 at some point. As of now, it is $24,000. Before answering a couple of questions about Bitcoin, let me mention something which is more crucial than its functioning. Why did Nakamoto create Bitcoin? What was his point? Did the financial system need a new financial instrument? The answers to these questions lie in the following explanation, which belongs to Satoshi Nakamoto. Quote, the root problem with conventional currency is all the trust that's required to make it work. The central bank must be trusted not to debase the currency, but the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust. Unquote. What did he mean by this? Starting in 2007, the world experienced one of the greatest economic and financial crises of history. The global real GDP shrank by 6.25% in the fourth quarter of 2008. Unemployment soared almost everywhere after the crisis. In the US, it increased from 4.7% in October 2007 to 10% in two years. In Spain, it reached to 26% in five years. In Greece, it skyrocketed to 27% in five years. Today, neither Greece nor Spain has reached their pre-crisis levels of unemployment. Due to the economic slump in 2007 and 8 financial crisis, Federal Reserve started quantitative easing, effectively printing money. The Federal Reserve expanded its assets in its balance sheet from $900 billion in May 2008 to $2.2 trillion in November 2008. The European Central Bank followed the same path injecting trillions of euros into the market. The global cost of this process was estimated at $5 trillion by the end of 2009, most of which is injected into the financial institutions and the banking system. People who observed all of these financial rescue efforts felt that the governments were helping the rich but not the poor. According to a Gallup survey, the percentage of Americans who expressed a great deal or a fair amount of trust and confidence in the federal government in Washington when it comes to handling domestic problems fell from 53% in 2006 to 46% in 2010, almost 7% of decrease in just four years. As of 2023, Americans now has a more serious problem, inflation. The January 2023 inflation, which is 6.4%, is the highest rate since 1990. Thus, the level of trust and confidence in the federal government, which was 46% in 2010, fell to 40% in 2022. Every single policy of the government, no matter how rightfully they are conducted, added gas to the fire of fading trust toward the government. Even though they had different goals, mass social movements like the Tea Party of 2009 and Occupy Wall Street of 2011 were all protesting the US government's financial policies. The disappointment of the public opened the way to a search for a more trustful system, and the invention of Bitcoin broadened people's horizons. 
Bitcoin was created to gain distrust, claiming to be closed to government interventions. That was the whole purpose of Nakamoto. Inspired by Bitcoin, several software developers created different cryptocurrencies. The website CoinMarketCap reports that there are more than 22,000 cryptocurrencies in circulation with a total market capitalization of $1.1 trillion as of February 2023, and this number is even bigger than the total number of global fiat currencies in circulation. The common point of all cryptocurrencies is their decentralized property, their being rebellious to the ongoing centralized monetary and data authorities. Now, it sounds like an oxymoron, but even governments are working on creating their own cryptocurrencies, which are called Central Bank Digital Currencies, CBDC. Bitcoin was launched in 2009, just after the global financial crisis. However, this was no coincidence. The first common and publicly recognized digital money was introduced when people lost their confidence in the monetary system. Now, let's answer a couple of questions about Bitcoin. First question, is Bitcoin a currency or an asset? Well, maybe a combination of both. It can be accepted as a currency because many institutions, but not all, are accepting it as a payment. However, there are two main issues related to its being currency. First, a currency's value should be stable to be a reliable store of value. The price of Bitcoin is not very stable. Over the last few years, its value changed dramatically, rising in value 1300% in 2017, but decreasing 73% in 2018 and decreasing another 64% in 2022. Second, the transactions are still slow. On average, a Bitcoin transaction is confirmed within an hour, but it might take up to a couple of hours too. It's an asset like gold and silver because many people buy and sell it to make some money. Second question. Some people claim that the value of Bitcoin is zero. It doesn't have an intrinsic value. Is that true? It's true that Bitcoin is not backed by a government like the US dollar is. Similarly, it's not physical as gold. It cannot be used as jewelry or anything else. It's just a virtual currency. However, it created a brilliant decentralized system secured by cryptography, which by itself is a value. It can be bought, sold, or transferred everywhere with an internet connection. It has many superior properties over normal fiat currencies. Once it is issued, it cannot be ceased to exist. It cannot be destroyed, and counterfeiting is very, very difficult because of the cryptography. Its technology is considered one of the most foolproof technologies. Because of all of these, I do not think that it's valueless. Its system is a state of the art. Third question, what is its real value? Nobody knows the answer to this question. Its value is determined in the market based on supply, demand, and partially hype. Thus, as long as people think that it's useful and valuable, it will continue to have value. However, it is also possible that people might switch from Bitcoin to some other digital currency for some reason. In that case, its value might drop to zero. Currently, almost 45% of the total market value of cryptocurrencies belongs to Bitcoin. Fourth question, did Satoshi reach their aim? 
Satoshi's main goal was to let people control their own money without any government intervention or monitoring. This is still possible through Bitcoin's network, I mean blockchain. However, in the last couple of years, people prefer to use centralized exchanges like Binance or Coinbase, which are totally monitored by the government. From this perspective, it might look as if Satoshi couldn't reach their aim. However, Satoshi was the one who opened the door to cryptocurrencies. After the release of Bitcoin, the world has been racing to come up with the best type of digital money, in the broader sense. If one day we use some kind of digital currency, we will mostly owe this to Satoshi. Fifth question. How can we buy or sell Bitcoins? Bitcoin is virtual and therefore bought and sold by publicly available online crypto exchanges, some of which are decentralized and some are centralized. You can find their names just by googling. Be careful. Be very careful with their security and fees as currently the cryptocurrency industry is not as well regulated as the banking industry. There is no fraud protection as we have with, as we have with conventional banks or credit cards. Last word. We still do not know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Maybe a person or a group of people. Maybe totally irrelevant. However, why they invented this digital currency was astonishing. Bitcoin may or may not fail. But the idea and the technological revolution behind it will keep sparking similar ideas under different names, which will always get the attention of furious people whose awakening was started by the 2008 crisis. As always, you can reach me via Twitter or email. My Twitter handle is dr or hanerdem, which is D as in Denmark, R as in Romeo, my first name and my last name. And my email is orhanerdem at gmail.com, which is my first name and my last name at gmail.com. Financially yours.